From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop? It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you're not alone. You may not know it, but support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through the friendly people at Church's Care. At Church's Care, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Church's Care helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's churchescare.com. C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com. We look forward to serving you. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together 
to transform fact into evolving truth. We're coming to you through the leader in responsible paranormal programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring nothing new under the sun. As the host of the Science of Magic Radio, I've really come to appreciate the necessity of science and magic or spirituality coming together. I truly believe the next step in our evolution depends on it. Over recent years, both factions have become polarized, diametrically opposed, and dogmatic. Any practice or structure that polarizes is acting in opposition and unable to evolve into higher understanding. If we're in opposition to something, we refuse to embrace any part of the practice, regardless of its merit. Science has inadvertently tried to invalidate spirituality simply because their instrumentation is too coarse to measure it. Science tends to worship at the holy grail of scientific testing, while proof of the observer effect has rendered their tests invalid. The observer effect states that outcome of the test is affected by the expectation of the observer. Expectation is an invisible influence, thus occult, and ignored by scientific materialism. At the same time, many religions have become so dogmatic as to require checking one's rational mind at the door of the church. Some teachings are not in alignment with proven historical facts. The banning of any spiritual practice, not that of the church, is almost universal among religions, including many Christian faiths. Yet, as a young man, Prior to his ministry, Jesus reportedly studied in Egypt at the Library of Alexandria, where he focused upon the teachings of all religions of the world recognizing a universal deity. Interstage left, the New Age movement. There's a great fascination with near-death experiences, spirit, meditation, yoga, channeling, psychic phenomena, and all manner of the occult. But the scientific approach is often shunned to the detriment of the practice. Many New Age practices have pulled from multiple forms without regard to the checks and balances present in the original structure. There's a logic and a flow to the ancient modalities that the laws of nat- that fit with the laws of nature. In absence of the nat- nat- rational mind, we are unable to discern when we step out of natural flow in our practice. This propagates dabbling, sometimes with disastrous results. The checks and balances created when we blend spirituality and science can keep both forms clean. This approach is not new. The ancient Greek philosophers were open-minded and insightful, studying many different esoteric traditions with an amazingly rational approach. In so doing, they embraced both science and spirituality. In recent times, we see that science has embraced scientific materialism to the exclusion of spirituality. Just as some New Age practices disregard the importance of mastery, due process, and logic. There are many indigenous stories about great spirit casting the nations to the four corners of the world. In these prophetic tales, each of the four nations carried a piece of the truth that would be brought back together during these very times. It was stated that if any one of the bodies of knowledge were not returned or incorporated, the foretold evolution of consciousness could not take place. We sequence in and out of periods of unity and polarization. This rhythm is inherent in our cyclic passages through the ages. We're in the process of leaving a polarized era and entering into one of unity. It's time to bring the segregated practices back together. 
Evolutionary truth is found in agreement and unity, not polarized differences. As individuals and as cultures, we each carry a vital part of the puzzle, absolutely necessary to the whole. Because of the cyclic nature of the ages and what they support, there's much to be uncovered about our future by studying ancient philosophies and practices. However, history is not my strong point. Fortunately, our next guest has complied some amazing information on the wisdom and mysticism of ancient Greek philosophers. Our guest this hour is Linda Johnson, the author of The Lost Masters. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Linda, and together we'll delve into the rise and fall of spirituality over the ages. So don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a Southern Flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 
44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back. This is a science of magic dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Linda Johnson, author of The Lost Masters. She has a master's degree in Eastern Studies and postgraduate work in History of Religions. She's the author of eight books on spirituality, including Daughters of the Goddess, The Woman Saints of India, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Hinduism. Her website is lostmasters.com. Linda, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Rilda, thanks for having me here to talk about my favorite subject in the world. It's my understanding that the ancient Greek philosophers didn't see a conflict between spirituality and science. Why was that? Well, um, let me just say that like most other people on the planet, I always thought that the ancient Greeks were about as as relevant to our lives today as bows and arrows. But but when I started researching the ancient, the original Greek sources, I was astonished to find how much the Greeks had in common with spiritual speakers today. You know, we're always told, you know, the ancient Greeks were the founders of of our modern materialistic scientific uh, uh, tradition. But what they tell us about themselves is they were intensely interested in spirituality. Many of them believed in karma and reincarnation, and, and a lot of them were vegetarian. Um, they meditated. They studied near-death experiences. They fought for animal rights. They tried to understand God and the nature of their own souls. In antiquity, people thought of the Greek philosophers not as eccentric old men who wrote boring books no one wants to read, uh, like we think of them today. They were thought of as sages, as spiritual teachers. You know, many of the Greek sages, like from Heraclitus in the 5th century B.C. to Proclus in the 5th century A.D., were deeply engaged in spiritual life. I never heard about that in school. Uh, you know, uh, I took a course in the ancient Greeks in college. I never heard about any of this. The Greeks had a very rational approach to, to spirituality, but they did not consider metaphysical subjects to be off-limits the way that a lot of uh, scientific types do today, Gwilda. Well, what do you think led to our modern-day segregation between science and spirituality? Well, uh, um, first, I, I actually have a, a, a deeply uh, Christian background, but the, the more I read um, in antiquity, there, there are things about Christian history that really break my heart. And um, with the rise of Christianity, there, there were some extreme zealots who remind us of some of the real zealots in Islam today who were setting out to exterminate any tradition that was a rival of their own. So, uh, as you know, Christianity dominated through, uh, through the Middle Ages. Um, and then at the time of the uh, Renaissance, uh, the Greek texts were rediscovered again. And, uh, uh, but then what happened, there was a, this, a huge reaction during a period called the Enlightenment, a really kind of 
in many ways, like an anti-religion uh, movement, because people were so fed up with the thought police that had been imposed by my own religion, by Christianity. Um, and so much of this uh, information was lost. I mean, it was heartbreaking to read. Uh, you know, we always hear about the rise of Christianity from a Judeo-Christian perspective. But reading the ancient Greek sources, you hear about uh, uh, Christian zealots burning libraries. And in, in those days, I mean, books were handwritten. They were, like, invaluable. This was the knowledge of antiquity being burned. And pagans would run into the libraries to try to save their books. And some of these zealots would lock the, uh, the libraries with the pagans inside and burn them uh, alive with their books. There was such a determination to, to exterminate these traditions. And so now we've gone to the exact opposite extreme with scientific materialism, where, where there's just a complete closed-minded attitude towards spiritual aspects of life, which we did not find at all with most of the founders of the scientific tradition, who uh, I'm hoping you're going to let me uh, tell our listeners about. Who were the founders? Okay, that, that begs asking. <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's, be, let's begin from the beginning, like with Pythagoras. This was the guy who invented the theorem that we learned in math class, you know, Pythagorean theorem. But what we don't learn is he actually founded a hugely successful spiritual community in Italy. This was around 600 B.C. His followers meditated, they ate no meat, they drank no alcohol, they worked out every day. They practiced music therapy, and they tried to reach a state of enlightenment. Pythagoras spent decades studying with spiritual masters in Egypt, in Syria, in Persia, and possibly, according to one ancient source, even with Hindu Brahmins. And get this, his first teacher was Thales. And if the name Thales rings a, a bell for any of you, that's because uh, he was the one we learned in grade school, was the father of Western science. And it was Thales who encouraged Pythagoras to go to Egypt because Thales himself had studied with the priests there. Um, it's a myth that the ancient Greeks uh, were self-educated geniuses who came up with all of their ideas by themselves. Many of them studied abroad. So, what kind of knowledge was available in Egypt at the time? Oh, um, uh, knowledge of spirit, uh, uh, ways to prepare oneself for death, ways to reach higher states of, of consciousness. Um, in my book, I, I actually introduce listeners to uh, the Corpus Hermeticum, which were astonishing ancient texts um, from uh, around 2,000 years ago, which melded the ancient Greek and, and the best of the ancient uh, Egyptian tradition together. Um, they talk about uh, karma, reincarnation, uh, uh, and, and achieving uh, different ways to achieve higher states. They talk about the guru tradition called uh, Parampara in, in India, this golden chain of spiritual masters passing on this wisdom from one generation to another. Where do you and, think it originated? Uh, it originated, uh, according to uh, 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 the ancient Indians, for example, it originated with the very beginning of humanity. The, the original teacher, according to the Hindus, was God himself 
in other words, when people turned around and looked within themselves, they found these truths. And when we, uh, uh, let me give you an example of Al Biruni, really jumping wildly here, but he lived uh, around a thousand years ago. He was a Muslim uh, uh, um, uh, scholar who lived in India for 13 years. And he studied Hinduism and Judaism and Islam and various other traditions. And and he said, you know, it was if you look at these different religions, they're very, very different with radically different teachings. But if you look at the mystical traditions associated with these traditions, you know, Sufism and Kabbalah and and uh, the, the yogic traditions, um, they're uh, they're all like they're all like the Eastern traditions. And uh, I can give you a, a, a spectacular example of that from ancient Greece, uh, if we have a moment here. Sure. Um, Empedocles. This is the guy we were told in grade school was the first Greek to teach that man was made of the four elements. Now, he was a doctor, but according to ancient sources, his real interest was, quote, curing souls. So, well, what did he advise his his uh, his uh, patients was critical to their health and well-being. Well, we're told, Empedocles told his uh, patients to meditate. Uh, I have several quotes from Empedocles. Um, so these are his words. He said, "You must plunge beneath your crowded thoughts and calmly contemplate higher realities with pure focused attention." then a state of tranquility will remain with you throughout your life. But if instead you direct your attention to the trivial things most people obsess about, the silly nonsense that dulls their minds, then all you'll uh, get are physical objects, which you'll just lose anyway. (laughs) That's Um, beautiful, yeah. Yeah. uh, Let me tell you what, yeah. What time period Uh, are we talking about here? How long ago... uh, uh, were these philosophers? Uh, and, and Pedicles, so we're looking around 500 B.C. in that area. So that's uh, so, 15, 1,600 years ago? That's 2,500 years ago. Oh, 20, 2, that makes sense. years ago. So we're you looking know, over uh, a full but, age. Absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. I'll tell you one more quick thing about Pedicles, because he's the guy who many scientists today consider, consider to be one of the earliest scientists. Here is how Empedocles described God. He said, The divine isn't something you can see with your eyes or hold in your hands. It doesn't have a face or feet or gender, but is pure consciousness, whose awareness extends throughout the entire cosmos. It is nothing but consciousness in every direction and eternally rejoices in the encircling silence. Wilda, today we call this Eastern philosophy. 2,500 years ago, this was Western philosophy. What happened? Well, it actually flourished. It flourished and flourished uh, up until about uh, uh, 200, 300 uh, A.D. Um, let me, can, can I give you a couple more examples? Well, we have a couple minutes. Let me tell you about Apollonius of Tyana. Um, now, when we think of the first century A.D., when we think of a spiritual master from that time, we think of Jesus. Um, but Jesus was not actually that well-known at that time. Uh, he didn't become really, really famous in the Roman Empire until, like, 
uh, a century or two later. But uh, Apollonius was the most famous sage in the first century in the Roman Empire. He actually traveled to India and studied in a Hindu ashram. Uh, we, we actually have records for, uh, preserved by Philostratus. Uh, we're told that um, uh, Apollonius uh, uh, studied in, in, in India and everywhere he went after that, Greece, Rome, Spain, Turkey, Persia, North Africa, he would tell people about the yogis. He said that they were the wisest and most amazing human beings he'd ever met. He went uh, uh, to Egypt, too, and noticed how incredibly similar the uh, uh, Egyptians' esoteric doctrines and practices were to those that he learned in India. He actually had this a fascinating theory, Gulda, that in vast antiquity, a group of teachers from India must have migrated to North Africa and taught this stuff to the Egyptians. Now, 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 I'm not saying that's historically true. We don't know. That would really have to be researched. But we do know that Apollonius, who knew the Indian tradition well and knew the Egyptian tradition well, was blown away by how similar they were. And he we're, going felt to, we're going to have to pick up with this on the other side of a commercial break. <laughs> Linda and I will return to our discussion on the flip side. We're coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on the XZBN.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. There are more historical revelations to come, so don't you dare go away. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. 
Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Linda Johnson, author of Lost Masters, Rediscovering the Mysticism of Ancient Greek Philosophers. Linda, to help us get us oriented, would you put the time frame, when, when was Jesus studying in Egypt, and, and when are we talking about a lot of your philosophers here? Do you think they ever crossed uh- each other? Um, uh, uh, certainly some of them did, and others did, uh, many others uh, did not. I'm kind of leaping across, like, uh, 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 a millennium here in my book, because I'm trying to get some of the very, very best ones in. Um, but, uh, 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 we have a tradition beginning around 600 B.C. and, and, and going through, uh, almost 600 A.D. when, uh, uh uh, the emperor, uh, this was, I think it was 529 A.D., when the emperor Justinian closed down the great uh, philosophical schools in, 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 uh, in uh, Greece and Rome. Why did he um, do that? 
um, uh, this this was a time of the rise of Christianity, and if it wasn't in the Bible, then it wasn't worth knowing. Um, and how so, long was that? How long was that after Christ uh, left after he died? Um, well, let's start it around 391 or so A.D. That was the real death knell. That was that was when the um, Emperor uh, Theophilus burned uh, the Library of Alexandria. Um, and uh, just a, just a couple of decades, uh, just shortly uh, um, after that, Hypatia, one of the great women sages of the uh, ancient Greek tradition, w- uh, 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 there was a, uh, a Christian bishop in Alexandria who was, uh, we're told from ancient sources, was very, very <clears throat> jealous of her because people were not coming to his lectures on uh, to his sermons on Sunday. They were going to hear Hypatia when she would lecture on the Neoplatonic tradition of ancient Greek wisdom. And so he he told people that she was a witch and and and, and, and a criminal and 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 actually sicked a crowd on her. And they smashed a bunch of jars and used the shards to rip the flesh from her body, um, and and killed her there in the street. Um, and it, that ch- that uh, uh, sent shockwaves through the entire pagan world. It was really shutting down anyone who did not teach Christian orthodoxy. It was a it was a very very sad day because so much wisdom was lost. So the um, after the burning of the li- uh, Library of Alexandria, it seems like they didn't they salvage some and put an annex in for a while. Um, uh, yes. Uh, they tried uh, uh, those who uh, they, uh, books that were stored in other libraries were recopied, or people from memory wrote down the books. But then, some centuries later, the Muslims came through, and 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 the library was destroyed, you know, forever, basically. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a new library that start, just started a few years ago, but obviously, uh, you know, tens of thousands of irreplaceable texts were lost. And uh, we read in, in Plutarch, there seems to be some knowledge even of the Americas. And it, who knows what other scientific and spiritual uh, uh, information was, was lost when all those libraries were burned and the, proce- and the persecution of the uh, pagans, uh, anyone who did not think, uh, according to church uh, uh, doctrine, uh, they, they were persecuted. Uh, you know, it was actually illegal at some points to be a vegetarian, um, because uh, so many of the uh, great pagan sages were vegetarians. So if you adopted vegetarianism, you could expect you know, someone from the Inquisition to come knocking at your door to find out what was going on, and you could be in very serious trouble. So the Inquisition had a heck of a lot more than just burning witches. Uh, that's for sure. Yes, that's for sure. Uh, it was like controlling, uh, controlling information altogether, right? Yes, it, it was. Uh, it was a mind control. For I mean, this is why we call that period the Dark Ages. You know, free thought and free speech was not allowed. Um, uh, but then, but when we look uh, earlier in history, like let's look back to around uh, uh, just before 300 uh, BC. Like, uh, had you ever heard that Alexander the Great had a guru? I mean, no, I've never I heard that. I read, you know, numerous books on Alexander. I watched, you know, uh, uh, specials on him on TV. I never heard this, and yet this is famous. This is a story recounted over and over again in the ancient Greek sources. Uh, when Alexander arrived in India, the one culture that he was not able to conquer, 
one of the first things that he did was send scouts out to find some of these yogis that he'd heard so much. He, he was really fascinated to learn about yoga and the mystical tradition there. Um, I have to tell you this story uh, uh, just because it's so famous in antiquity and, and it's just so amazing. But his first experience with the yogi did not actually go very well. Um, so uh, we're told that the scouts found um, a yogi uh, named uh, Dunda, and they delivered this message to him from, uh, from uh, Alexander. The message was, Alexander, son of Zeus and sovereign of the entire earth, commands you to come at once. If he is pleased with you, he will reward you richly. If not, he will kill you. How'd that go for old and- Alex? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The guy. I mean, he was homicidal. But um, but here is Dunda's reply. Uh, one of the most famous um, in antiquity parts of the story of, of Alexander's foray into India. This is what Dunda the yogi answered. There is only one supreme king, the one who created light and life. This is the only king I obey, and he abhors war. How can this Alexander be supreme ruler as long as he himself is subject to the king of death? And what can he offer me when my mother, the earth, already provides everything I need? I have no possessions I need to guard, so I sleep peacefully at night. Alexander can kill my body, but he can't touch my soul. Tell your king that at the time of death, each of us is called to account for our deeds. Ask him how he's going to explain the agony of those he has murdered and oppressed. He can tempt those who pray gold. He can terrify those who fear death. But we yogis care for neither. Tell your Alexander he has nothing I want and I will not come to him. I love it. And, and Yeah, it's like amazing. And, yeah. and the, you know, you've... you've, you've well, you've I just have to say... Alexander had the equivalent of reporters who traveled with him, and they actually recorded how Alexander responded to that message. And what Alexander said was, I, the conqueror of the world, have just been conquered by a naked old man. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and we we see over and over again how amazed the Greeks were at the yogis. And and there are also stories about his, his guru, Kalyana, which I tell in the book, and so on. It's like amazing. He, he so, took his guru back to Persia with him. So, um, it, you know, this looks pretty well researched, but it's not information that we get out of the schools. So, where did you come up with this? Um, um, well, uh, I actually took a course in uh, uh, Greek philosophy when I was in College Loyola University. And my, uh, my Jesuit professor told us, okay, skip these parts of Plato. Don't read this, don't read that. Because that's oriental contamination of the uh, Western tradition. Um, and so what I did when I started researching this book was I went back and read all the texts that uh, my professor had told us not to read. So I was reading all the material in Diogenes Laertius, uh, Diodorus Siculus, Arius, Dobaeus, the works of Plato, Aristotle, Plotinus, Proclus, Iamblichus, Fragment, and... Uh, why do you think and, and these... It's all there. It's all why there. Do you, why do you think these facts are so so absently glaring from our modern day education? What what are they hiding there? Uh, scholars are fully aware of this uh, evidence, but they ignore it. Um, uh, they find it embarrassing. 
that many of the founders of Western civilization were nowhere nearly as committed to materialism as academics are today. When did that you know, start? Um, that started around the time of the Enlightenment, so that was in full force, the end of the 1700s, going into the 1800s. Let's talk. Let's talk a little Sorry. bit about the new. That's okay. Let's talk a little bit about the New Age movement. It's not really new, is it? Um, no. Uh, people have always been curious uh, about these phenomena because people experience these phenomena. Now, uh, there, in, in ancient Greece, there was a real sense of rigor about this. You know, they approached it very rationally. They wanted to understand it and, and classify it and and. Uh, and so they were, they were open-minded, but they were not credulous. Um, um, let, let me just mention, uh, mention Iamblichus. Um, Linda, would, would you, Linda would, you, would you slow down your speech a little bit so we can understand? I'm starting to lose you. Oh, okay, sorry. That's okay. Let me, let me tell you, for example, about Iamblichus, who uh, lived from uh, around 240 to 325, something like that. Um, he was really into uh, uh, magic. Um, 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 now, I actually, a couple of months ago, went to see a movie, Doctor Strange, with Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. And there's um, uh, so many movies, you know, Harry Potter and all these others about uh, magic, because people you know, crave that, that they're missing a, a living sense of magic. Yeah, you, um, you know... There's, there's something I've noticed, and we're just about out of time in this segment, but now don't get me wrong, but there's many, very many profound and effective New Age practices and practitioners. However, there's also quite a few uninformed, uneducated dabblers. Do you see pitfalls in the New Age dabbling, and if so, why? That's why I brought up Iamblichus. He has really good advice for people who are interested in channeling and contacting discarded entities, for example, whether you think of them as actually real or as projections of the unconscious. Um, according to him, some of these en entities or energies are benign, but others are definitely not. And he explains how to tell the difference. He also warns how spiritual practice can shade over into sorcery when your ego gets involved. Real practice exalts the soul, not the ego, and is dedicated not for one's personal benefit, but for the good of all. Um, it, it was, uh, they were very uh, rigorous and, and careful about uh, uh, these traditions uh, uh, in antiquity. Yes, you know, in, in, my, uh, in my training, which was shamanic, the same thing. The ancient traditions held checks and balances so that we could tell when we were coming from ego um, or personal agenda and when we were actually getting accurate information from source. It seems like that's lost. Is that what we're experiencing here? Well, um, even in, in India today, uh, they still... Uh, 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 this knowledge uh, is, is passed on from, from the mind of the teacher into the mind and heart of the student. And, and when the lineage of the teachers is broken, then the living knowledge is lost um, until someone else reconnects with it inside themselves. And, you know, uh, we're, out, for, we're out of time for this segment. We're going to have to take a break. Linda and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, the scienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. 
We're brought to you daily by the leader in paranormal, spirituality, and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. 
transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash Xone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Linda Johnson, author of Lost Masters, Rediscovering the Mysticism of Ancient Greek Philosophers. Linda, do we have any reliable sources of this information that you've been sharing? And if so, where is it? Um, it's at the library. You know, you, you have to go to the university library to find a lot of this. Um, or uh, in my book, I, I summarize much of this material and, and have an extensive bibliography for, for people who are really interested. So you can find out much, much more. The material is there. That's good to know. Um, so why do you think spiritual and religious teachings have become so segregated? Um, you, you know, here we are supposedly in modern times, and yet it's like we're living, still living in the Dark Ages. Well... There are uh, three things that have, have attacked this tradition. One, obviously, is Christian orthodoxy. Another is actually um, uh, communism. Uh, in communist countries, you know, religion was virtually illegal uh, until comparatively recently. still is largely in China. Um, and then scientific materialism says it's all bunk. Would you describe, what do you mean by scientific material is all bunk? No, scientific materialism says that all of this is, is nonsense, um, and that you're a, you're a fool uh, or a superstitious or a, quote, uh, New Age flake if you pursue your interest in this. But, in, in, but what I discovered was that if you're pursuing an, inter, an, an intelligent interest in, the, uh, in spirituality, you're actually following in the footsteps of the founders of Western civilization. Isn't that interesting that it was unified at that point, and now hopefully we're bringing it back into unity. Do you see any benefits of bridging the science that we have now and magic and spirituality? Um, certainly. There are, 
you may know that in modern physics, for example, people are uh, uh, physicists are really stymied. They've gotten to a point where there's a massive confusion, and theories they thought would pan out have not panned out. It's possible that if they integrated the internal and external understanding of reality, that they might find some of the answers they're seeking. Isn't that what quantum physics is starting to do? Um, I hope so. It, it could head in that direction if things go right. Our guest this hour is Linda Johnson, author of Lost Masters, Rediscovering the Mysticism of Ancient Greek Philosophers. Her website, lostmasters.com. So what do you think it's going to take for, for the bridge to happen? Well, um, here's one thing. Uh, most of us have already heard of yoga and meditation techniques from India or about Sufism or about Kabbalah. What we don't know about is our own Western spiritual heritage. We don't even know it existed, the heritage before the rise of Christianity. And when we go back and study uh, and, and discover how exciting the Greek philosophers were, that they studied with wise men and women of older cultures around them, like the Magi from Persia, the Chaldeans from Iraq, uh, teachers from Egypt, and in some cases even in teachers from India. Well, you know, you as know, I when, as I hear you talking about this, it seems to me that it's that unification piece where we go all over, and like we started started out this this segment, we go all over and collect what everything has in common when we're looking for truth. What we're finding is an inner science, um, because what what everyone has found um, on their own, exploring within. And, and seems to, uh, and is in fact the same as what other cultures have also discovered, we need to look at that very closely, because it's possible that what they've found is, is, is what's actually true. So would you describe what you mean by going within? Um, yes. Um, in ancient Greece, there was a word, henosis. Hain means one. So henosis means the state of oneness. So just like, you know, yogis today go into what, you know, yoga students will know the word samadhi, you know, into these deep states of meditative awareness. So some of the ancient Greek philosophers did also. You know, um, Heraclitus said, you know, the, the, the role of the soul is, is, is incredibly vast. And once we go in and really begin exploring these uh, internal states, we discover how linked with the universe because our inner state is the universe's inner state. And that link was something that the Greeks made much of. So that inner place that you're talking about really ends up being outer? You have exactly put your finger on it. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, yes. Uh, this is a, a philosophically rich topic, but, um, but many of us experience that. Uh, for example, I spent a lot of time in India or with Indian masters, and things that scientists assure us cannot be true, such as telepathy. You know, these masters could read your mind like a book, um, because they're not making that distinction we do here in the West between inner and outer. They recognize that it's all a continuum. So, so then, again, we've gone full circle, that if inner and outer is one and the same, the answer to the question of where does this originate, it started with source. Are we trying to return to source with it? Yes, um, exactly. And for uh, listeners who have any background in yoga, 
you'll know that the yoga tradition is traced back to the original guru who was God or, or a higher awareness, a higher intelligence. Um, and that is what we aspire to return to through our spiritual practice. Do you think we do that when we die? Um, according to the ancient Greeks, uh, not necessarily. Only the souls who really, really purified themselves uh, can, can go on to those higher levels. Otherwise, we're drawn back again and again. Uh, um, Empedocles said uh, uh, souls uh, uh, are forced by eternal law to wander for long cycles, you know, being reborn in mortal bodies. This makes sense frequency-wise. In other words, water seeks its own level. If we don't purify ourselves enough to carry a higher frequency, we're going to have to stay where we are and come back and keep working. Is that what we're looking at? You're exactly right. I mean, you just really have it. It's kind of like the universe is a university, and if we don't pass the class, we have to take it over again. Well, some of these classes haven't been all that much fun, have they? Uh, yeah, and, and, and yoga has a, a lot to say about that. It, it's very honest about all the suffering in life. Why do you think we're in a position now um, in history to reaccess source? Why, why all this interest, once again, in spirituality and unity? Um, because people are allowed to talk openly and think openly again. Um, the interest has always been there, at least among a minority of people. But if you express that openly, you could wind, you could have wound up being burned alive. Um, but but now, as 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 we're approaching the end of uh, the Aquarian, uh, the uh, the end of the Piscean age, you know, minds are beginning to open, and it, it, many of the things that we're discovering in science, even uh, ironically, are are uh, particularly with some of this what you brought up about uh, a quantum theory, you know, people are really wondering and asking. So it's linked to the ages. What links it to the ages? Oh, um, I actually spent years studying Vedic astrology. Um, That's a huge, huge topic. Um, But uh, I was told that um, you know, there's there's a uh, a cosmic mind, mahat in Sanskrit, but but it's it's, it's energy affects us um, in waves. It flows out and flows in, flows out and flows in, and and people can always access it. But there are times in history when people react against it, like kids reacting against what their parents were into. You know, many of my friends who were really into spirituality, their kids then reacted against what their parents were into, and they became very materialistic and so on. And their children will probably react against their parents and become interested in spirituality again. It comes and goes in cycles. So I understand astrology measures relativity in the, the solar system within the galaxy. Do the frequencies found therein affect this influence? Um... Um, it, it, by frequencies, we're, we're not talking about physical frequencies here. Uh, it, it, we're talking about very, very subtle frequencies. But yes, they do. But then again, uh, my pundit teacher, Pundit uh, Tiganayat, told me, you know, the Sakta Yuga was the golden age, the, the beginning time when everyone was connected to spirit. And he said, if the world is in the deepest, darkest Kali Yuga, the deepest, darkest time, you can create a golden age, a Sakta Yuga, in your own home. 
by uh, by turning within, by by living a pure and ethical life, and by opening your heart not just to other people but also to higher forces. So regardless of the influence on the outside, we still have control over what frequencies we attune with because they're always present at any given time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know all this. You know all this. You're just uh, you're just amazing. You're right on top of all of this. Well, thank you. I get to talk to a lot of wonderful people on this show. We're just about out of time, but I do want to thank you so much, Linda, for all your dedication to studying, to bringing the ancient Greek wisdom back to our present time. Our guest this hour has been Linda Johnson, author of The Lost Masters, Rediscovering the Mysticism of the Ancient Greek Philosophers, her website, lostmasters.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Remember, you can always listen to past thought-provoking episodes on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Don't forget to join us next time on the next episode of The Science of Magic. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you ponder the wisdom of the past and promise of the future. Yeah.